Good morning. Happy July 12th, uh, Tuesday. And today I would love to chat with you about passion. Anything and everything in life can get done, can get accomplished if you just have enough passion. And, you know, we all have a story and you have to use that story. No, you don't have to dwell on the past, but you have to use your story because your story is why and how you are where you are today, right? So I don't know your story. I just know my story. And I know with me, the passion started for America when I was young, um, watching Dallas Dynasty, Beverly Hills 90210, and I made it happen. And it wasn't easy at all. And that's with everything in life. It's not easy to get what you want to get. And it's the same like your right partner in life. Um, you cannot tell me that dating is easy. Dating was, to me personally, dating, I disliked it with a passion. It's like a roller coaster. It's like one day you're on cloud nine and you have like butterflies and you're so happy and this is the one. And then the next day it's like, nope, he's not the one. You know what I mean? When you're dating, because I don't know about you, but when I date, I date with the intention of, okay, this is the one. I'm not dating with the intention of, hey, let me just, you know, uh, have fun and sleep around. That wasn't my intention ever. So with passion, you can get through any doors, walls, whatever, obstacles. And so it started with me go, coming to America. And my story is I overstayed. I was allowed to stay three months. I overstayed, gosh, I don't know how long it was, maybe six. And it wasn't intentional. I was just very ignorant about it. Um, and I didn't really have the money at the time to go back and forth to Holland and I never understand why they assume that you have the money to travel back and forth every so many months, right? I mean, <laughs> so I didn't. And I was in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, I was working as an au pair. I loved it, though. It was really nice. The family was incredible. The house was incredible. I remember my very first bed uh, I slept on in America. I had my own room. It was a water bed. <laughs> and I thought it was so cool. But after a while, I'm like, no, no more water beds. And now I'm healed. I do not want to sleep on a water bed. But it was nice. It was, it was something new, something interesting. I, I am always up willing and up to trying new stuff, right? So the family was incredible. I worked for them as a nanny, as an au pair. For, um, there was a little girl I had to take care of and there were two older girls. Um, so three children, but it was more for the little girl. And then after I nannied for them for, I don't remember how long, couple months, I went to Miami because I was in Boca Raton. I went to Miami to work at um, a lunchroom, a deli, um, a Jewish deli lunchroom. Um, and that was uh, in Miami uh, by Ocean Drive there. And I got my own place 
and I remember rollerblading on Ocean Drive, and I remember living life. I was living it up. And then, while rollerblading, I met <laughs> a guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we started dating and everything. And we even um, were thinking about buying a house together. And I moved in with him, and we're living together. And then one day he went on a business trip and to Puerto Rico. And he said, do you want to come with me? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I can leave the country, go in and out. I think if I leave, I have to go to Holland. I, I really don't know. And he's like, yeah, but Puerto Rico is part of America. And I asked around and everybody said, yeah, it's part of America, but it's not in America. It's owned by America, but not in America. So off I went with him. And yeah, that was the end of that story because going back from Puerto Rico to Miami, um, there was an immigration guy and he said, uh, hey, uh, where are you from? And later he just told me he was flirting. And I said, um, I'm from Amsterdam. And he said, oh, where are you going? I'm like, Miami. And I guess I, maybe we looked suspicious, a blondie and, you know, Maurizio, he was uh, half Italian, half Colombian. Um, so I guess maybe we looked suspicious. So he was like, oh, where is your ID or can I see your passport? And I didn't bring it with me. That was dumb too. So then he looked in the system and it wasn't even shown when I came into America from Holland. So I guess I slipped through the cracks, which does happen. And then he wanted to put handcuffs. And I said, please don't put handcuffs. That will give me nightmares. And he's like, okay, but don't go anywhere. And I'm like, where, you, where can I go? You know, um, Maurizio had to continue to Miami and I had to stay. And then they, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> they put me in like a cell. Uh, when I went to the bathroom, I wasn't allowed to flush because I think they assume coming from Amsterdam, being with someone from Colombia, I don't know, you put one-on-one -on -one together, maybe drugs, but come on. And I'm very shaky, but I've never done drugs. I mean, I tried some pot, but, you know, that makes me paranoid. So I'm a control freak and no no drugs for me, no overly drinking. I, I It's just not me. But okay, so I was there in the cell. <laughs> and then um, I had to swear on the Bible. There was a supervisor, his name was Mr. King, that I would never do that again. And I'm like, do what? Again, I was so ignorant, so dumb. And they're like, you committed a crime. I'm like, I committed a crime? What did I do? They're like, overstaying in America is a crime. You see, that's how ignorant I was. So I had to swear on the Bible and to the United States of America, that I would never do it again. And then they were working on getting me a flight to Amsterdam. And knowing now, I didn't know back then, they, I, I guess, called my parents to ask for them to buy me a ticket back home. And then I remember I got a ticket to St. Martin. There wasn't a straight flight to Amsterdam, so... It went to St. Martin. St. Martin has Dutch property and French property. So, and that was after I was three days in there. I don't know why it took that long, but I guess with paperwork and everything. So then um, went to St. Martin. 
I met some British guys in the plane from Puerto Rico, or I think I was already in Miami, from Miami to um, 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 St. Martin. And there, I was there for a little bit till my parents got me a plane ticket from there to Amsterdam. Um, so yeah, and then I was back in Holland and then I was on a black, now you're on a blacklist for five years. And after, or every year I went to the American embassy when I was back in Holland and asked them if I could go back to America. And they said, no, 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 no. And after a year, years of trying, because again, that was my passion. Um, I finally, they let me back in America. But in the meantime, I was, my boyfriend at the time, the Colombian guy, Maurizio, he actually came to Europe. He asked his company, he was working for a credit card company to transfer him to Europe. So we lived together in Hungary for a bit, Hotel Kempinski. We were in Prague. We, he was in Germany. I never went with him to Germany. Um, London, pretty much all over Europe. And then afterwards, I went to, um, when I was living in a hotel, and he was a lot in Germany, one day I got a phone call from a girl saying to me, you're an American biatch. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not American. I wish I was. <laughs> I'm Dutch. Uh, and who are you? She said, oh, I'm his fiance. I'm like, huh? And I'm like, as far as I know that we were dating and this was weird. So for me, the minute I knew there was someone else in the picture, I said, okay, that's it. We're done. So um, then I went back to, Hol uh, yeah, to Holland and I had met at Anna Cafe or somewhere in, in Hungary when I lived in Hungary. It was, gosh, six months. I don't remember how long I was in Hungary. I met this American doctor. We were friends and he when he was there for business and he originally was from there. So when I was in Holland, I said, okay, I'm going to visit my friend Ronald, who's a doctor from Boston, but I couldn't go into America. So he said, why don't you go to Canada, Quebec? And I'll drive from Boston to Quebec, and then I'll take you in the trunk back to America. We never did that, but we really did talk about it. And he said, if they catch me at the border, I'm just going to say, that's my dummy. Doesn't she look real? You know, we'll put you in the trunk. <laughs> but again, we never did that. But okay, I lived in Quebec for a little bit. It was way too cold. I'm like, nope, out of, I'm out of here. And then I went back to Holland again. And then finally, finally, after three years of begging, they let me back in America. And I started again in Florida, then to Boston to visit my friend there. And Boston is like, I'm not feeling it. Then I went to L.A. And that's where my journey to me started because I fell in love with Hollywood, Beverly Hills. First, I lived in Hollywood and then... I discovered Beverly Hills. I'm like, oh my God, the streets are smooth here and the gardens are immaculate and the homes, oh my gosh, I was dreaming big. And I think in life, if you can't dream, what do you have? You know, if you can't hope and wish, what is there, you know? So um, I had a studio. No, first I had a roommate in Hollywood and then um, I moved from his place, from the roommate, who was a photographer, and his son, 
two into my own studio in the same building and I loved it in Hollywood. But then I was like, I'm going to find a place in Beverly Hills, which obviously it's a little bit more expensive. It ain't easy, but my parents helped me and I was working as a front desk receptionist. Um, and mind you, everything was I was doing, I mean, yeah, I was able to visit, but I wasn't able to work till everything was under the table. Okay. And waitressing, I mean, anything and everything. And <laughs> uh, then I found a job in Beverly Hills and I thought it was front desk. And then I realized it was a, <laughs> yes, you guessed it right, a strip club. Um, what was it? Bikini bar, topless. And so I did that for a while. And I actually am proud of it. I'm proud that I made my money by talking to people. I never did the dirty stuff. I know there's dirty stuff. I know there's a fine line. I know there is women who will do that. And I did not. And I cannot do that. I just don't have it in me. But I really made most of my money pretty much all my money just by sitting with the men who came in who were like miserable in their marriage or, and they couldn't leave their wives because it was going to cost them too much money and they just wanted an emotional friend and I was that emotional friend. I was like a shrink. I was like, hmm, maybe I should become a shrink. I, I remember going to Santa Monica College and applying and I wanted to become a shrink and I did the pre-calculus test and I, I failed or I don't know what went wrong there, but I'm not good at math. So that, that didn't go over. So I just danced for a while and it was good for me. I enjoyed it and I, I did it my way. And I noticed that everything I do it my way, I don't do it the way that other people do it or that people assume you do it. Um, and it worked out for me. It, it was good. And again, I'm not embarrassed. I'm actually proud of it. I'm proud that I did that and I would do it again. So then finally, I met the first love of my life in New York and moved to New York for a bit. But that wasn't where my passion was. It actually took me away from my passion. And now I know my passion, and this sounds weird, it's really California. Um, and I get so inspired by the lifestyle in California, the outdoorsy, the nature, the hiking, the people, the opportunities, the ocean. I'm a water girl. Um, so then finally, after, gosh, I don't know how many years, maybe seven years in six years in New York, we moved back to Beverly Hills. And then, um, Ooh, this is the hard part. Then he passed away. He died from a heart attack at 42. Uh, we were living in Beverly Hills. And uh, yeah, he uh, said in the morning, I love you so much. I really feel I was born for you. And he, um, I never saw him again. I waved goodbye. I remember he had pain in his back and his neck and a headache. Now I know those are pretty much symptoms and his chest was hurting. And I said, why don't you go to the doctor? I think it was a Friday or a Saturday, maybe a Saturday. And he said, no, the kids are coming. He had children from a prior marriage. Um, and I want to save money for that. And we didn't have insurance. We had our own company. Um, he had a construction company. And I was working as a front desk receptionist um, at a salon in Beverly Hills. 
Batia and Alisa Salon next to Villa Blanca uh, Housewife uh, restaurant. And uh, yeah, then I got phone call after phone call um, saying my husband had a heart attack. I went to the hospital and they said, can you donate his organs or will you? And I said, no, because he's coming home because I went through the stages, denial, grief and all that. And then... Uh, yeah, he, uh, they took him off the machine three days, three or four days later. And uh, gosh, some of it is a blur. You know how your mind protects you and you block things. And sometimes I want to know more about that time. And some of my girlfriends and neighbors were there. And they when they tell me things about that time, I'm like, I don't even remember. Um but yeah, then I had to move out of our place um, in Beverly Hills on Oakhurst to a studio, which is fine. It was just from a, a tiny bit bigger place to a studio. I have no problem with that. And then, uh, mind you, I got nothing, okay? There was a million-dollar life policy. I got nothing. It all went to the ex-wife and the children. And I will do that again because the children only have one father. And I obviously got married again and found love again. Um, and I believe in life, you can always make money, um, but love, it's just hard to find, true love. So yeah, I had nothing, okay? I had the studio, I had to go back to dancing, my parents helped me out a little bit here and there, but they even said it's a bottomless well, <laughs> and that was like little bits here and there, um, but yeah, and then finally I met my love now, um, private jet pilot we met on plenty of fish i love him love him love him he is an angel i'm telling you he's an angel i've never met a sweeter human smarter funnier generous loyal i mean everything um so that's and then we were in san diego he was in san diego so i had to move from beverly hills to san diego which ain't too shabby and I never really went back to Beverly Hills when I was living in San Diego. So I guess, again, it wasn't Beverly Hills. It was California, what my passion is. And then um, we went to Dallas or Grapevine, Texas, because he got a job here as a private jet pilot instructor. And now he wants to go back to flying. He asked to be transferred to Long Beach. So that's pretty much where we are now. I have my boutique now, uh, which I love. I was flying for a bit um, as a private jet flight attendant, corporate flight attendant through my husband, you know, the connections. But of course I had to do the training and everything and the work myself, but connections are helpful. And that's where we are now. And now we wanna go back to Cali. So it's a matter of time, but I am enjoying my boutique here and I'm just saying, I hope this story inspired you. I, I always love to listen to stories. And uh, please subscribe, give a five-star review. If you don't like it, don't say anything at all. I just poured my heart out to you. Um, I don't know, I really felt inspired and I want you to go with your story, uh, follow your story, follow the, there are tips in there there are clues in there and my last episode the podcast says success leaves clues and it's so true so just follow that path you know and just keep taking action every day okay love you um please say hi and happy have an amazing week happy tuesday <laughs>